welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Why don't we give him some praise in this place? Hallelujah. We receive it tonight, Jesus. We receive that blessing tonight, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. If you're able to stand, we ask that you do so at this time. Such a powerful presence of the Lord in this place tonight. We believe God wants to do something incredible here. We're so blessed and honored to have evangelist Azalini with us tonight. And uh, if you were here last week, uh, he certainly needs no introduction. A powerful man of God. Powerful man of prayer and personal consecration. And his ministry benefits greatly from that. And we, uh, we want him to come in the presence of the Lord and deliver whatever God has laid on his heart. Would you welcome him tonight in Jesus' name? Come on, would you give that hand clap to the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, it's his presence that you stepped into here tonight. It's his goodness that you feel in the atmosphere. It's his glory that's filling this house right now. Hallelujah. Come on, won't you let your faith rise a little bit? If you haven't shouted yet, why don't you just let out a shout? Ah, if you haven't declared anything yet, why don't you go ahead and declare what you're expecting the Lord to do in this service here tonight? Oh, come on, if you haven't yet expressed your love and adoration and thanksgiving to him, why don't you take this opportunity to lift your voice and tell him how much you love him. Tell him how good he is. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Almighty God, I, I just love what I feel in the house tonight. Amen. I, it feels to me like you came ready to have church tonight. Hallelujah. Seems to me that you came expecting God to do something tonight. Oh, hallelujah. There is faith in the building. Amen, amen, amen. So honored to be back with you on this Sunday evening, and I'm excited to see what the Lord will do. Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles with me tonight to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4, 2 Kings chapter 4, and we will read verses 8 through 11, 2 Kings 4, verses 8 through 11, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're waiting for revival to happen, 
You better shake yourself. Because revival has already started. Hallelujah. Yes, we're only in the infant stages of revival. And there's a lot left to go. But revival has started. There has been a shift. There has been a change. And things are beginning to happen. It's time for you to start expecting the unexpected. It's time to stop expecting to just go through the motions. It's time to stop expecting uh, your week to look the way that it has always looked and your friendships to look the way they have always looked and your conversations to sound uh, the way they have always sounded. Uh, it's time for you to start expecting uh, revival to show up uh, any day of the week. Uh, it's time for you to start expecting uh, to have divine appointments and divine encounters throughout the week. God is awakening his body in this last day season because it is time for revival right now. Second Kings chapter 4 beginning with verse 8. If you have it, say amen. If you're cheating and you're looking at the screen, say amen. Amen. Well, I got a stronger amen on the second one. <laughs> Time for some sword drills. Hallelujah. Kicking it old school. Second Kings chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold now, I perceive that this is an holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. And it fell on a day that he came thither, and he turned into the chamber and lay there. I want to preach to you on this Sunday night. Make room for revival. Make room for revival. Would you pray with me again before we're seated in the presence of the Lord? Jesus, we love you. We are so thankful to be gathered together here tonight with the body of Christ. Lord, we are so thankful for the atmosphere of faith Lord, that has already been cultivated. We are so thankful for the praise and worship, Lord God, that has gone up to glorify your name tonight and that you have chosen to inhabit the praises of your people. God, we give you all glory, all honor and praise tonight. Lord, and we ask that this word... Lord, would be released right now in this room. Lord, that it would have liberty to go forth and do what you are sending it forth to do in the lives of every hearer tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Would you clap your hands to the Lord as you're seated?
Hallelujah. Give honor to Pastor Heidebaugh tonight. Appreciate him. Give honor to uh, Brother Tyler here. I haven't got to spend a whole lot of time with these guys, but I will tell you one thing. You don't have to spend a lot of time with a revivalist to know you're in the presence of a revivalist. And these men are revivalists. They believe in revival. They're pursuing revival. They're expecting revival. Uh, and if there's anything that I can get behind or feel a kinship to, uh, it's somebody who has a heart for harvest uh, and a desire to see revival. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Give them honor tonight. Hallelujah. Give you honor for being in the house of the Lord tonight. Just want to honor my wife. I know that she's not here, but I love and appreciate her. And I wouldn't be able to be here tonight if she wasn't doing what moms do. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Almost busted out a Mother's Day message there, but we'll move on. Hallelujah. Make room for revival. That word revive means to restore to life. Or consciousness. Restore to life or consciousness. I remember when I first found out I was going to be a father. My boss said something to me at work when I shared the news that I didn't realize the impact of his statement but in hindsight, I see it now. He looked at me and he said, it's not about you anymore. My God, I thought some parents would take a lap right there. Everything in my life changed when the baby showed up. I had to make room and prepare for the baby's arrival. All of a sudden, that extra room that I enjoyed so much wasn't extra anymore. And now there was baby furniture to be put together and paint to be put on the walls, preparations to be made, credit cards to be used, hallelujah, debt to later pay. Oh, God, help us. That baby began to take over our life before it even showed up. Just at the news of an arrival, everything in our personal space began to change. Ah. When we learned that we were expecting we begin to prepare for the expectation John chapter 3 and verse 5 reads this way Jesus answered verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
course, here we all know, and if you don't know, let me be joyful in telling you that what the Lord is describing here in John chapter 3 is the new birth experience. It is the way in the plan of salvation that he created for every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. He knew that there would come a day in every life when we needed a fresh start, when we needed a new beginning in our life. And he decided to design a way, a pathway forward for the human race that says when you take on my name in the waters of baptism and I fill you with my spirit with the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues that will be the sign to you that you have been born again and now you do not belong to the family that brought you into an earthly world but you are born into my family and I have adopted you as my son and as my daughter and I have given you my name and I have purchased you with my blood and now you belong to me When we are born again, we become babies again. And by virtue of expecting, by virtue of a new life being born, everything in our world is about to change. When you were born again, everything was not supposed to stay the same. But when you were born again, everything in your life was supposed to change. Your environment should have shifted. Your friends should have shifted. Your conversation should have changed. Everything in your the things that you used to take pleasure in, no more do you take pleasure in those things. But now, you are taking pleasure in the joy of the Lord. He said, when you were bought with my blood and took on my name and I filled you with my spirit, I did not intend for your surroundings to remain the same. I did not intend for your life to look the way it did before you went down in the water. I did not intend for you to continue living a powerless, ineffective, vain existence. But I put my name in you. And I put my spirit in you because I expected it to make an impact on everything and everyone around you. 
when we are born again. We could have never imagined the occupying power of that experience. When the baby showed up, if I had not been ready, if I had not been made room, you know what would have ensued? Dysfunction. Everything would have been out of order. Just put the bassinet in the living room. Just just move this junk over here and, and move this mess over here and, and, and just toss the, 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 the bag right there that has all the supplies that we're going to need and, and just move these dirty dishes out of the way and we can put the bottle warmer over here. What would have happened is our environment would have, been, would have become chaotic and it would become dysfunctional as two things that demanded an occupying power tried to fill the same space. Ah. It's why in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, well, we can just back up from there. Before we ever even get to the book of Acts, The Lord dropped this in my spirit this morning. He said, you know what? He said, repentance is so important uh, that I sent John the Baptist uh, to preach about it uh, for a long time uh, before I ever showed up uh, to reveal the rest of the plan. Uh, He said, I'm tired uh, of my church uh, skipping past repentance uh, just so they can have uh, an experience. Uh, He said, if all they ever have uh, is an experience, Experience, uh, they will live uh, and walk uh, in dysfunction and chaos. He sent John the Baptist to prepare, to prepare the way before him. He said, oh, Jesus is coming. We better make room. Jesus is coming. You better put that sin out of your life. Jesus is coming. You better repent and lay down that pride. Jesus is coming. You better be willing to walk away from your wicked ways. Jesus is coming. You better throw that religion out of the church. Jesus is coming. You better make room for something that is greater than anything you have ever known. That's what repentance does. It makes room. It makes room for because something that was dead is about to be alive. And John the Baptist had only one message. He didn't have a whole book of messages and sermons. He only had one. Repent. Repent. Make room. Make room. Make room. Repent. Because Jesus is about to move it.
Ah. See, what we've done is we've reduced repentance to confession. So we can produce results. And just so you understand, I'm a crusade preacher, so I like results. I'm a big fan of results. I'm a big fan of numbers, and I think God was too. He named a book after it anyway. But I'm going to tell you the number I'm concerned about right now is the number of disoriented, disillusioned, dysfunctional disciples that have never learned how to become apostles because they pursued an experience in an altar with a 30 second prayer of confession. They walked out with some goosebumps and a shout and a feeling but they never made a decision that they were going to make room in their life for Jesus to move it but there's an awakening happening there's a restoration of repentance in the church that is happening right now. Hey, you can sit idly by if you want to, but I'm watching 20s and 30-somethings and 40-somethings and 50-somethings and 60-somethings starting to come alive. And remember, hey, way back when, when this started, I prayed a prayer called repentance and somewhere along the way my faith began to fizzle and my vision got a little blurry I feel the call of the Holy Ghost calling me back to an altar of repentance because God is trying to revive something in me again See, when Elisha passed by, the Shunammite woman constrained him to come in and eat bread. Just a little bit of preparation will alert you 
to when you are in an opportunity for a divine encounter. And she said, you know what? I've heard about the prophet. I've heard about this man. And I am desiring to have a prophetic encounter. So I'm going to make a little room and invite him to eat a little bread and just see what God wants to do. In My pastor says something that I love. Every prayer meeting that we have, now I'm sure this doesn't happen here, but about half the people pray, about half the people watch. Oh God, it's online, isn't it? And pastor, he says, you know, I'll never understand. While we make room in our day, get dressed to come, drive all the way here just to sit. You can sit at home without having any preparation. But if you're going to prepare, if if you're going to get ready, then why don't you recognize when you are in the moment of opportunity and Jesus is walking by your way, if you're going to make the effort to come to the house, why don't you go ahead and complete the job and say, God, you're here. Would you come in and give me ah hey, Jesus, would you come and sit at my table and give me a word? You know, that's how it works with God. The Bible says that she constrained him to eat bread. Right? You know what that means? It's like your wife when she tells you to take out the garbage. Right? She's not taking no for an answer. She constrains me to take out the trash. And so I take out the trash. I know my wife's listening right now, too. I'm just having a little fun, y'all. It's all right. You can laugh. I wish you would laugh. Help me out later. All right. She constrained him to come in and eat bread. But the Bible says every time after, no invitation necessary. He just turned in and said, hey, she fed me last time. Let's see what she's got prepared this time. Let's see if the table is set again. 
she invited him in once but every time after as he was passing by he expected to have he expected to spend some time in her house with hey I got news for you your salvation was never meant to be a one time experience but every single morning I see the king of kings walking by your prayer closet saying hey are they waiting for me at the table are they ready to have a conversation with me The Bible says she enjoyed his company so much that she gave her husband a honey-do list. She said, I know you thought you were done with the trash, but I got a remodeling project. You're going to have to make some room. Because the next time he comes, I don't want him to think I'm satisfied just because the meal is finished. I want him to know that he can stay as long as he likes. I want him to know that he can abide here, that he can sleep here, that he can eat here, that he can stay with me as long as he wants. I want him to know that we made some room for him to abide uh, as long uh, as he decides. See, Brother Tyler, when you don't repent, you can have a once a week meal relationship with God. I'm here, Jesus, it's Sunday morning. Pastors brought the bread, and we're here at the table. God, would you come in and visit us for a meal? Lord, it's about noon 30. We've already wrapped up the main course. You've had your cup of coffee. We're ready to get on our way if you're quite finished with what you got to say. Don't worry, we'll be here next Sunday waiting on you to pass by our way again. You didn't get as excited on that one. Mm. I'll tell you what he's really looking for, Brother Tyler is he's not just looking for a seat at the table on Sunday morning. He's looking for a space in your house. We've had our first meal together. Now what I want to know is are you ready to push some bitterness 
out of the way. Are you ready to release some anger that you've been holding on to? Are you ready to surrender some things that you weren't willing to be obedient to in times past? Are you ready to move some attitudes out of the atmosphere? Are you ready to move out whatever has crowded out your consecration in the past? Are you ready to bring a moving truck up to your house and move out everything that took up space before and make room for me to abide. That is what salvation is supposed to look like. Salvation demands every bit of heart real estate that you got to be surrendered to him. Uh, I'm going to move on in a second. We talked about dominion last week. I just gave you the keys to your house. You understand that? When you say, God, here's the master key to every door in my life. It'll open up the door to my opinions. It'll open up the door to my preconceived notions. It'll open up the door to the filter of my understanding. It'll open up the door to my past experiences. It'll open up the door to the grudges and the weights that I've been carrying around with me. It'll open up the door to the vanity that I hold so near to my heart. It'll open up the door to the insecurity that I've harbored and hid for all too long. It'll open up the door to the dysfunction and the disillusionment that I walk in every single day. God, I'm giving you the master key to every area of my life. And I'm letting you know that you can move in right now. You can pick the room. You can pick the real estate because I'm giving you access to all. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye 
transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Salvation is supposed to transform everything in your life. Nothing is supposed to stay the same. And that's only step one. That's just my revival. But it doesn't start and end with me, Brother Tyler. It started in the upper room. But it didn't take very long for it to spill over in the street. You need to get what I'm telling you here today. That transformation process, though it will change your life and you will have peace and you will have joy and you will have power and you will have victory and you will have dominion and you will have understanding and revelation and he will take you from victory to victory and glory to glory though all of that is tied to your personal salvation it doesn't stop there all of that is for the purpose of it spilling over into the street he said I didn't transform you just for you but I transform you so you begin to make room for them I will never be a part of end time revival and harvest as long as I'm selfish. If every prayer I pray has to be about my same old problems for 20 years, my hands aren't in the harvest. If I'm battling the same old circle and destructive cycle, dysfunction and issues that I've battled my whole life, my hands aren't in the harvest. Hey, mm, I, I really want to preach the second half of this message, but I just can't feel to move on from here just yet. I'm telling you right now, in the Holy Ghost, there are people in this room that are holding on to 1% and saying, God, you can have 99%. 
but just let me have this 1%. Let me tell you what Paul said. He said a little leaven, leaven it the whole lump. It only takes 1% for the adversary to step in and cause total destruction in your life. Until I can completely repent and surrender all of myself to Him, I'll never be able to make room for them. Honey, I got news for you. Y'all filled this place up and you need a bigger building. But I got news for you, Brother Tyler. I hate to break it to you. Your new building ain't big enough to hold the revival that God is bringing in the last day. I got news for you. There ain't a building big enough anywhere to hold the revival that is getting ready to sweep across the globe. And I know we get excited and we're happy and we're joyful. But if you want to be a part, if you want to have a role, if you want to have a lane in what God is doing in this last hour, you've got to lay it all on the altar. You know what's happening to the church? It's becoming what it was intended to be to begin with. Right? We touched on this a little bit last week. We invite people to church on Sunday because we don't have the spiritual confidence in our spiritual authority to operate in the moment when the moment presents itself. So we say, come back. Listen, this is what's happening. There's a migration happening in the church right now. God is taking us from operation to dominion. And this is what I mean by that, okay? You got a need? That's great. Come back at 10 a.m. on Sunday during our hours of operation, when the lights are on, when the AC's cranking, when the praise team, when everybody's working together to build an atmosphere of faith and my secret sin can be swept under the rug and there's other authority in the room, then you come with me on Sunday and God will meet your need then. Anybody ever ordered anything from Amazon before? 
It's like Christmas at my house all the time. I'm like, why is there another box on the front porch? Have we already started shopping for next year? It's January. You know what Amazon did? They rejected the model of hours of operation. They said, we don't need brick and mortar. <laughs> we don't need a sign on every corner. We don't need to pay that light bill and that HVAC bill. We don't need sales clerks and associates. We don't have hours of operation. We're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on every continent across the globe. And we will bring it to you. And by adopting that model, you know what they did? They said, we are not going to compete with the marketplace. We are going to be the marketplace. And that is the same mentality that is shifting into the church right now as there is a migration from operation. Operation, I step in, I step out. I step in, I step out. But I'm moving over here to Dominion where I walk in it seven days a week. Whether I'm in the building or out of the building. Whether I'm in the restaurant or in the the living room you don't have to come back during hours of operation I got dominion right here right now God will move and meet your need right here you can't have it without repentance you're saying yes but are you living yes you can say whatever you want to right now but can God step in to your little circle of orbit and say these are the things I want you to get rid of and these are the things I want you to begin to do on a daily basis hey you can shout about it now but can you profess with honesty I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I not I not I not I but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of Dominion starts right here in this house. You cannot expect to move from operation to dominion if you don't have dominion in your house. 
You know, submission isn't submission until you disagree. Everybody says, I'm submitted. Yeah, that's because you agree. But what happens when you don't agree? What happens when the man of God preaches truth uh, that gets all up in your Kool-Aid uh, and you're like, you know what? Uh, that's not really something I was looking to change. Uh, that's not really something I was looking to alter. Uh, that's not an attitude uh, I was fixing to do anything about. Uh, that's not a lifestyle choice uh, that I was looking to make a change in. friend I got nothing but love for you this world the religious world has been hiding behind sloppy agape for a long time but you know what this world is finding out there's no power in sloppy agape does Jesus love me the way I am he sure does but he loves me enough not to leave me that way I'm the one that decides will I surrender will I consecrate will I separate will I go through the transformation process is this alright is this okay As long as I'm holding on to this as my identity, I'll never be able to take on his identity. <laughs> People come up to me sometimes and they'll be like, man, that was a great word. I love that message. You know, that was really hard for me. First few times I started hearing that. Because you know what I knew? I can't preach my way out of a wet paper bag. And if God doesn't show up and move in a service, there's nothing that I can bring to you that will ever bring change into your life. So I said, God, I want everything inside of me to be emptied out so that no matter what venue I walk into, when I open my mouth, when I step into that room, God, I want it to be your presence, your name, your glory, your authority. Oh, God, that steps into that place and I will never fail to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. I said, God, I've abdicated the throne of myself, and I offer it to you. God, I don't just want you to be the God of my salvation, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to have a say-so in every area of my existence. And the more I surrendered, the more he moved in. The more I surrendered, 
more my environment begin to change. The more I surrendered, the more clarity and discernment that God began to give to me. The more I surrendered, the more that word became alive and began to speak to me. Every time I would open... See, John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? It goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's exactly what's transpiring when you begin to repent. You say, God, I don't just want these to be words on a page, but I want the word to become flesh in my life. I want to be a living epistle, open and read of all men. Are you ready for a revival? Are you ready for revival? Then it's time to make room for revival. It's time. Uh, you know what that means? You know, it's so amazing. I give no glory to this pandemic, okay, that we just went through. But if I can pull one positive out of it, is when everything was shut down, and we had an abundance of time, there was a group within a group. That begin to reprioritize, recenter, and reconsecrate. And it feels to me right now, Brother Tyler, that things are beginning to roar back. The schedule's fooled again, Pastor. The demands on our time and attention are beginning to compete for our energy again, aren't they? And what I would say to the church tonight ah, is use discernment before you allow anything back into your schedule to consume your time or your energy again. Because it would seem to me 
that as the stage was cleared in our life, there was a space that was being made for God to come in and invade and occupy our lives the way that he intended to from the very beginning. So as everything is beginning to compete for our time, our money, and our energy, I would caution you today, be careful what you allow to dominate your life and don't allow the things of this world to take up the room that God made in the church for the harvest of the last day. Hey friend, it's time to make room for revival. Because revival's coming. Revival's here. How many times have you felt and believed over the years that revival was here? Right? How many times did it feel like it was breaking out? Oh, this is it. Can I go just a little longer? All right. You don't want me to. I love you. You can leave. The prophet was so taken. With the Shunammite woman to des- woman's desire for him to abide, that he found out what she wanted, what she desired, what she had need of, and he found out that she had never had a child, and so he promises her a child. I'm going to hurry my way through this. The baby comes. Right? Finally, the baby comes. That long-awaited desire shows up. The promise has finally come to pass. It's here. Boy goes to work with dad. Dad, I got a headache. Dad's did. That dad did what dads do. He said, go home and see mom. I don't know what to do about that. So he went home to see mom. And died. Now there's a dead promise laying in a place that was made for the prophet to abide. Man, I like that shoot of my woman. She reminds me of my wife. 
She's got some fight in her. Come on now. She tracked down that prophet. I'm telling you, this, this lady could have been my wife. She walks in the back door of a revival service. That prophet was scared of her. He saw her come in. She ain't never come here before. There's got to be something wrong. <laughs> Brother Tyler, you'll love this. He sends the associate pastor. <laughs> Go find out what's wrong. <laughs> You're my friend. <laughs> You're my first line of defense. She threw your ear off first. <laughs> Maybe I'll just get the leftover. <laughs> All right. Oh, but mama wasn't playing. Gehazi comes up. So good to see you tonight. We're so glad you joined us. Is there anything I can do for you? He said, yeah, you can get out of my way. Because I didn't talk, come here to talk to number two. I came to talk to the man who gave me a promise. Because my promise is laying dead up in the space that I made for him to abide. And there's something he's going to have to do about it. And I'm telling you right now, that same attitude is rising up in the church as the church begins to take dominion again in the earth. The church is saying, hey, we've seen too many revivals die. We've seen too many starts stop abruptly. We've seen too many promises die on the table. I like to think she grabbed him by the tie. I don't know if she did. But she said, you're coming to my house. And that prophet went to her house. <laughs> I'm going to read it to you. Second Second Kings. 4, 33 and 34. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain. Hey, you know, sometimes the restoration of your dominion begins right there. God, I've shut everybody else out. I've turned off the phone. I've turned off the distractions. It's just me and you and my dead promise, my broken future, my busted up past, and my parents. God, me and you, we're going to have a talk right now. 
and prayed unto the Lord. And he went up and lay upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Sometimes you got to get alone with your dead promise and say, God, it's just me and you and I'm going to speak life into this promise again right now. God, you made us a promise that the latter rain would be greater than the former rain. And I'm speaking life back into that promise of revival tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Listen, I'm going to bring this to a close very quickly. I'm going to open up these altars, and God is going to move in a very powerful way. And I'm going to say this now, so I don't have to say it later. Don't let anybody or anything stop you from responding. If there's somebody blocking you in, just shoulder your way out and make your way to the front. Pastor, our wife and I had two daughters. And Brother Tyler, her and I, we sat down to have the talk. Y'all know what the talk is? Are we done or are we not done? I said, baby, we're done. I said, it's two to two. I said, we ain't outnumbered. We're bigger than they are. I got to do what we say. I said, but if we bring another one in, they will be the majority. I said, we're done. That was on a Sunday afternoon after church. One week later, to the day, to the hour, at the same table, she said, baby, I got some news. She said, you know that guest room that you love taking naps in? Time to clean it out. You know all that baby furniture we got rid of because we thought we were finished? Time to buy some more. 
I thought I was done. I thought I was satisfied. I'm going to tell you what's breaking right now in this hour. Is the satisfaction of just having good church and calling it revival. The satisfaction of just being happy with what we got. God saying, hey, you may feel content with what you got, but I got news for you, church. You better make room because there's a Latter-day baby on the way. I know you thought that you was done. I know you thought that you was finished, but you better make a little room. You better turn the guest room into a nursery because revival is on the way. That's it. I'm finished. And I release you to respond right now in the name of Jesus. I release you into apostolic operation and dominion. I release I release you to allow godly sorrow to work under repentance. I release you to step into boldness and demonstration. I release you to exercise authority and dominion in this house. I release you to find an altar of repentance. I release you to ask God to search you and know you. I release you to respond right now. Lord, sin.